it's so crazy to me how cable media just runs right with it. And they're like, well, I mean, how would it look for Bragg if they arrest the president, bring him out of handcuffs? <laughs> nobody said that. Nobody fucking, ever, nobody said that except Trump. Except Trump. And Trump did it because he wanted to basically take the sting out of what was going to happen. Right. And now also, if Bragg doesn't do it today, which it looks like he's not going to, Mm-mm. right? Bragg doesn't do it today. What does it look like? It looks as if Bragg backed off. Hi, everybody. How are you? Welcome to the Bituation Room show. So good to have you here. So happy you stopped by. So happy that you pressed play on your little device. Um, uh, We have a great show. Lots to get to. Some serious stuff. It's going to be a little bit of a heavier show. Just going to put it out there. We're going to talk about climate displacement the 20-year anniversary of the Iraq War and how we'll probably do another Iraq War in my lifetime and how I generally want off this planet. You know what I mean? Just, like, shoot me into space. You know what I'm saying? We'll see what happens. I could take it. Start that Frantifa colony. Um, And other things. But, no, uh, just send me to the planet where matriarchy exists because I feel like, Shit's going pretty well over there. Um, we have also comedian Anthony Atamanik joining me. We're going to talk about, of course, Trump not being arrested, but wanting to be, but calling his own arrest. And then there's like drama with DeSantis. Of course, we have to talk about that. And then for that climate discussion, uh, author Jake Biddle, uh, contributor to The Grist, will also be here to talk about his book, The Great Displacement, Climate Change and the Next American Migration. Um, America's next top migration. Hey, we could definitely sell this show. Oh, who's to say that Hollywood doesn't like climate stories? Yeah, it's good. Anyway, if you are here, thank you so much. Make sure you're liking the likes and you're clicking the clicks and you're subscribing and you're sharing. You're letting people know what you listen to. And of course, if you are on a podcast app, give this podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, on, um, the other one, you know, the one that the Joe Rogan, what's the um, Spotify, right, right, right. Um, this is from GSIV, a review that says, love Francesca. Miss F, which I like, Miss F, like I'm a, like I'm a benefactor, is funny, articulate, and states the progressive position well. She's become my favorite podcast personality. Wow. Wow. Guys, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but Miss F? She takes the cake, you know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, <laughs> also, you know that this is not just the only show. There is bonus material, and now that bonus material is a full-blown hour on Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, once again. Uh, all the stories that are too ridiculous to fit into this show, um, we have the bonus bish for patrons to listen back to watch back so again if you're a patron you get all that in your ear into your ear holes and uh and if you are there live congratulations if you want to watch that back however you gotta become a patron so patreon.com slash situation room support this show support this show thank you sorry there's a little bit of a problem there my light was showing my ring light um, so yes, patreon.com slash room. You get all kinds of perks. You know, you get that 20% off merchandise. 
uh, we got the, you know, the, the tote bags, the two different types of shirt. We're going to work on the bitch caps, she said, for the 16th time. Um, but yeah, and of course, literally, you support this show, nobody else, okay? I'm getting into my shitty Michael Caine, but truly, uh, it is your support that makes this show possible. Um, straight up, straight up. But if anyone wants to sponsor me, again, like weird apps that, you know, I, I don't know, for like, for like misshapen fruit. And again, misshapen boobs. Bras for different boobs. Like, you know, when one's like, anyway, sponsor me, baby. You want to talk about misshapen boobs? I'm a nursing mom. Um, all right, let's get into this. Uh, what are you bitching about today? Let's keep it light, guys. Keep it light. Keep it tight. All right, so obviously I'm bitching about Jenna Bush. No, uh, I mean, I'm always bitching about her, but we're going to talk about the Bushes a little bit later. I'm bitching about chat GPT. Okay. I've spent many months trying to ignore what the fuck chat GPT is. I've tried to uh, not go to whatever site I'm supposed to go to to ask it, like, do you love me? What is the meaning of love? And like, you know what I mean? And like, or like, you know, asking it random ass questions like people are doing. And I just feel like it's a very, maybe it's just a dude thing. If you're a woman and you're on chat GPT, hell yeah, girl, lean in. You know what I'm saying? Cause I feel like it's a dude's game. Uh, just kind of like going there and asking him like, would you suck my dick for no. Um, but here's my problem with chat GPT and journalists. We did this to ourselves. Uh, anyone who does any kind of online work or has worked at any, you know, uh, Buzzfeed an AJ plus, you know, all the myriad of online clickbait news agencies, we saw this coming and we have, we've dug our own graves with the way that we cheapened our work, the way that we said, yes, we'll do TikToks instead of real videos. Yes. We'll just repurpose other reporting. Yes. We will jump through every algorithmic hoop for you. Oh, tech overlord slash foreign entrepreneur who wants to give me money. I'll do it for you. And then what happened? Then they created AI. And then all you need to do is feed AI a bunch of now this news fucking videos. And it can spit out some dumb shit about a salamander who became, you know, an eight-year-old's pet. And also can spell. You know what I mean? Like... We did it to ourselves, and now ChatGPT, it is true, is most likely, by a lot of predictions, going to be replacing a lot of online news content that you see. For example, today, because I'm this kind of person, of course I clicked on a, like, Chappelle and wife, how long have they been together? Ugh. I was like, let me click on that. And it was just, like, the TikTok lady's voice going, like, they have been in love for a very long time since... 1995 and you're just like oh my god this is just bad wikipedia being read by the tiktok lady voice and this could have been a journalist in heavy air quotes but let's not denigrate an already debased profession this could have been us that's a voiceover job you know what i'm saying that being said, uh, if you are interested, I will be reading my full bio 
that was generated by a chat GPT bot or some kind of AI bot. I'll be reading that on Friday for the bonus bish. So patreon.com slash situation room. It's very funny. It is incredibly funny uh, to hear how AI does biographies of people that they don't even know. You don't know me. All right. I'm done. It's fine. I'm sure everything's journalism's fine. <laughs> Jake will weigh in later. Uh, and with that, uh, let me bring in my comedic guest for the hour, improviser, comedian, actor, who you've seen as Donald Trump on his show, The President Show, or elsewhere, like uh, Sean from What We Do in the Shadows on FX, which streams, and he streams live on Twitch at Coffee with Tony. Please welcome Anthony Atamini. Hello. I was just trying to ask chat GPT to respond to your criticism, but I couldn't type it fast enough. So it just said, I don't know which Francesca you're referring to. God. <laughs> There's another Francesca F, which is sucks because her name is FF in, um, if you, uh, you're trash. So you watch, yeah. um, you obviously watch Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. So No, that's below, that's below the waterline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Right? Fuckboy Island, though, is above. Oh, Fuckboy Island's Island. great. Oh, we could talk. I could talk so long about that show. Wait, you watch. So you do watch trash. It's the only trash show I've watched. Maybe ever. I don't know. I like it's anyway. I mean, here's, I'm going to bitch. Really God, quick. Well, please. What's your what I'm are gonna, you bitching my, about? It, 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 it or originated from our warm up, which is everyone's reaction to Vanderpump rules. First off. I am so tired of people pretending as if they don't digest trash. Everybody takes in trash. <laughs> it might not be my trash might not be your treasure, but there's not a person on this planet. I don't care how serious you are. I don't care who you are. You have a place where you take in trash. Yes. And, and for me, for people who don't know, there was something very significant that happened a few weeks ago where Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump rules mm -hmm. revealed he was having a seven month affair on my friend, Ariana Maddox, who I'm friends with her in real life. Oh, shit. And, uh, and this was a tragedy because this is a 10-year relationship that's played out in this reality show. But what was so important I to me- I thought those were like, you know, you know, real love too. Like when you fall in love on a reality show. Well, they were, they were the, the, the uniqueness of Vanderpump, which is why I actually appreciate it. Okay is that I worked at a restaurant for years. It is the only accurate depiction of people like wait staff working at a restaurant that okay. I've ever seen. Okay. The restaurant life, the smoking in the back of the restaurant, the not working, the whatever. The cocaine. So, the cocaine, which they <laughs> would just call, I think, tequila or something. I forget what they called it, like special tequila. But the point being is that uh, in this show, and I'm not going to get into this, but uh, the for me, it meant something because Scandaval, as ended up being called oh. Scandal Sandoval, marked the end of the pandemic for me. For mm. me, I said, this is the end. I know Joe Biden declared it was over <laughs> last year, but uh, no. And it's certainly not the fucking cast of the, what's that soccer show that they all were hanging out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what the hell's that Apple show? Why when you say Ted it, Lasso. Yeah, Ted Lasso. Fucking Ted Lasso. <laughs> showing up at the fucking white house which if like there was ever a like a vote blue no matter who moment for ted lasso where you're just like well that's it ted lasso goes on the 
fucking boomer trash heap of things I don't <laughs> care about anymore. Well, did they uh, go to declare the pandemic over? Yeah, they went. Everyone's been going there to declare. Everyone's declaring the pandemic over. I'll tell you when it was over. It was over when Scandaval happened because it was a scandal we could all get behind. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't whether, you know, it wasn't. Aaron Mate's shitty reporting on whether they actually gas Syrians. It isn't fucking, you know, Jimmy Dore and his like libertarian sellout with uh, uh, Lyndon LaRouche's wife. I mean, by the way, when did the far left become just a bad clone of LaRouche libertarians? Yeah, no, because they never happen? were because they never were actual leftists. And also like. I know. Oh, we could get into that. But wait, wait, I love That's this. That's my bitch. I love, yes. so Scandaval, so <laughs> yes. they're separated. Now, what's happening with him? Is he going to go live out his truth? Well, with... he's with Raquel, this right. woman Raquel. Right. And whose real name is Rachel. And she was with James, DJ James Kennedy Does she for a also while. moonlight as a person of color? Yes. Well, <laughs> kind of, the, the tanner she has. But um, she, uh, she uh, had two botched nose jobs during the course of this show. Poor thing. Uh, neither one helped her out, but she's also clearly the, uh, actually the daughter of like radically right-wing parents. Mm -hmm. And she was, she was doing pageants up until like last year. That when you're doing pageants and you're like, early 30s oh something's God, wrong oh God. something's really wrong when you're doing pageants all you need 30s. is a hug all you need yeah. is a hug and say you're good enough and you're like no yes let's get another well but she's a psychopath here's the thing i love is like she portrayed herself as this like dimwit dummy yeah but now re my wife and i are re-watching the show from the beginning you're finding the clues she's clearly actually a sadistic psychopath and which is why whenever I encounter people who seem like they're dumb ditzies, I'm like, no, 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 you're hiding. I think you're hiding some like actual darkness here. Oh, I think, yeah. I think what's really going on is, is, is way, way worse. Um, so is this I, you know, like intra E drama or all these shows? Where are this these? Is Bravo. Okay. This is sorry, Bravo, intra drama. Bravo. Listen, when I did president show, I basically was a, like a love letter to my reality show. We did the real white guys of DC. We did Vander Trump rules. We had um, a member of the Real Housewives of New York on the show yes. as a guest. Okay. I am a firm believer, one, in the intersection between reality television and politics. I don't really see what the difference is, in fact, except reality television is more interesting. And um, in addition to that, I, I think that uh, I just wanted really to be on a Bravo show and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. So I just tried to I turn want my you show to have into one. Your Bravo I mean, I do think that yeah. rebooting, you know, your Trump impression <laughs> yeah. for a Bravo show would be just wonderful from no. Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> You're like, and never. Absolutely not. The only way I would do Trump again, mm -hmm. I've already decided, is I will do a touring drag brunch show <laughs> that only plays in uh, in Florida, Tennessee, anywhere where they're banning it. Or they, and I would play uh, Donna Trump. And I would sing. Because one of the big things was, I will say this, that you know um, we have a video of, of me talking to, uh, what's her name? What's that lawyer who's like the famous lawyer, sexual harassment lawyer? She's like on everything. Um, uh, don't know. Gloria, Gloria Allred. Okay. We had Gloria Allred on the show, and we had a thing that would never aired because we couldn't afford the the song, but we aired it on online of me dancing to Gloria with her, and she did it like we fully like danced. She like got down, which was pretty great, because um, you know she's a pretty sort of like 
mainstreamy figure. Um, and she was down for it, down to clown. Uh, we had no idea at the time when we were doing the show that even all the music I would play, that I would dance with Mike Pence with Pete Gross to, where we would do Trump and, and yeah. Pence dancing yeah. between the acts. Um, were all the songs that Trump likes to play pre-show at his rally. guessed it. I'm and saying Gloria was the big one. You know him. So I would come out as Donna Trump and lip sync to Gloria. And the, what I would do is I'd get that Meatball Ron, uh, I mean, the Meatball uh, Santos, the Meatball Drag drag uh, Act who does the Santos. Have you seen that, the Santos Drag Act? No. Where she, but you, may, where but you she, know. He did drag, but now there's a now there's a new there's drag a drag act, act mm. that comes out in Santos man drag, and then they disrobe into the Santos drag outfit. Yes. So it's like a man dressed as a woman dressed as a man who then undresses as a woman. It's brilliant. It's a I'll send you the video. It's a brilliant, brilliant. It, I watched it. I went. I this is one show. of the the greatest acts of political like theater I've seen in quite a while because it was multi-layers you know? well we have to we i i might have you you know uh, you look you can do, do it, you it. can do drag for the habituation room anytime when we <laughs> yeah. do a live our next live uh very looking I forward to that of. but i i do we have to get into the week and everything that's gone <laughs> on oh fuck yeah, yeah. anthony's <laughs> bringing out the wigs now <laughs> So let's just do it. Let's just get into this, guys. Um, this okay. is uh, the week where. Okay, on Saturday, Donald Trump took to Truth Social, which at least it was on Truth Social. Um, so no one was on it, but had a very, you know, I don't know how many threads, you know, 20 plus, like all caps threads about how he will be arrested today, today mm -hmm. Tuesday, March 21st, when we're recording this. And he said, Anthony, yep. I can do it. You could do it. We could both. Do it. Oh, okay. All right. It's time. We are a nation in steep decline, being led into World War III by a crooked politician who doesn't even know he's alive. <laughs> But it was surrounded by evil and sinister people who, based on their actions, are defunding the police, destroying our military, open borders, no voter ID, inflation, raising taxes, and much, much more. Can only hate our now failing USA. We just can't allow this anymore. They're killing our nation as we sit back and watch. We must save America. Protest. Protest protest <laughs> and the reason he said all that thank you amazing sure. is because hang on this is the real tweet that i wanted to show you is because okay. he announced that he was going to be arrested um yes. by because of this court case that is playing out of course in manhattan the district attorney alvin bragg who seems yep. very very poised as we spoke about last week to actually uh, make Trump turn himself in and or arrest him. So, Anthony, can you just... Now one, this one? Last one. Page two. <laughs> now, illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan District Attorney's Office, which has allowed <laughs> new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by big Jew, George Soros, <laughs> indicate that with no crime being able to be proven and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors fairy tale 
the far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week. Protest, take our nation, baby back ribs. <laughs> Here's my question, Anthony. Do the do the yeah. um do the dentures come loose a little bit at some points? Well, I, uh, yeah, yeah. Whenever he did that thing where his dentures were coming loose, and he said the United States, I started to add that sort of like times where it just gets plus the COVID. I mean, you know, he had that COVID that really like fucked you up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, he, didn't he had have that OG this, COVID. Like, this COVID is like I think this COVID's like a little milder, but he had the one that really he had fucked Delta. You up. Yeah, he had the serious one. And uh, so I'm sure he's all kinds of uh, fucked up. I mean, listen, he did this. You can't blame him. He's in the sense you can't fault him for his savviness. He clearly caught wind that they might arrest him or ask him to turn himself in. Probably most likely they asked him to turn himself in, right? Mm -hmm. They definitely, the whole notion, and I love how cable media fucking, it's so crazy to me how cable media just runs right with it. And they're like, well, I mean, how would it look for Bragg if they arrest the president, bring him out of handcuffs? <laughs> nobody said that. Nobody fucking, ever, nobody said that except Trump. Except Trump. And Trump did it. Because he wanted to basically take the sting out of what was going to happen. Right. And now, also, if Bragg doesn't do it today, which it looks like he's not going to, mm -mm. right? Bragg doesn't do it today. What does it look like? It looks as if Bragg backed off. It mm. looks as if Trump basically won. He can claim victory. Now, if there was a standoff, instead of Ruby Ridge, it would be called Ruby Tuesday Ridge. But <laughs> thank you. this is okay. I totally agree with you. And I also feel like this is, again, this is all around the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. That's what this is about. Um, yes. It's, again, he could be facing, it's criminal charges. It's unclear if it's like a misdemeanor or if it's a felony. And if it is a felony, I mean, it all leads to the maximum prison time he could potentially face like is year, four right? years. It's four, oh. but he won't face any prison time no. if he is actually ever convicted again the whole thing's a waste of time in my opinion honestly i think it's a huge waste of time i think it's an I, I, listen i'm not like against prosecuting trump or whatever but this has been some weird fucking fantasy that people have had since he was elected he was elected partly because of russian troll farms that sort of gained the algorithm but primarily because clinton didn't go to michigan and wisconsin and just had both I think the media gamed against her and she also wasn't a good candidate. Yeah. So you had disaffected leftists because Bernie had his biggest surge then. There's all these factors as to why he got elected. And then all they've been doing is this weird fantasy of like, we're going to march him out in handcuffs. He's a criminal. We're going to march him out in handcuffs. To what end? To what end? What does it matter? And when he goes away, I mean, you look at that, you know, his best line out the door is meatball Ron. It's so much better Thank than Ron's Meatball Ron's brilliant. And by the way, Ron DeSantis has an ice cubes chance in hell of getting <laughs> elected president. He is such a boring fucking pig jowl of a piece of shit. He is not interesting at all. He's only interesting in He Florida. does look, yo, when you just said pig jowl, have you yeah. ever seen in the butcher shops when they actually like deface the pig? I apologize for any yeah. like vegetarians and vegans out there. Very upsetting. But like, yeah. you know, how you just have like the shell of that pig face. That's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. Yeah. Okay, let's back up and take this and for part. So, yeah. so he calls on everyone to protest, support him and whatnot. Mm. This was the night. This was Monday 
outside yeah. of Center Street, 10 members of media for every one Trump supporter. There's nobody yep. here. Um, yep. A lot of people stayed away. And it's true that even folks like so Ali Alexander, remember that little dipshit yeah. who helped plan the January 6th, you know, Capitol riots. Um, he's like um, he, he's basically saying we should not travel to New York City. But he's like, um, you know. January 6th wasn't sloppy. Physical processing must remain part of the human tradition forever. Fuck off. You, you believe in the, like the history and the tradition of protest in this country. Yeah, um, He'll be on Jimmy Dore next week. Oh, sure. Him and, and him and Tulsi Gabbard, all of them, they'll all be together. Anthony, hanging out and you, palling around. Sorry. You I'm get sorry. two doors. Stop. The third. I'm done. It's I'm done. Beetlejuice I'm done. and he comes. He comes and he's going to be yeah. like this sorry, guy. Sorry, Look at this. Sorry. This guy. This guy thinks he's a Trump impersonator. Look at him. Look at his face. This guy. Wait, where? Who? What? <laughs> no, this. Have you watched Jimmy oh. Dore? This is all he does. He just looks at these. These, these oh, clowns yes, are talking about does. me. Yeah, he does. He points. He does the pointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. What we do in the shadows. These guys live in the shadows. Look at them. Living in the oh, shadow. I know. I know. The CIA is doing everything. <laughs> um, they're ISIS. Okay, go, sorry. Yes. No, ISIS. No. Yes. So, so, uh, so, okay. So, Alexander, other folks, Kevin McCarthy said to stay away. This is yeah. Marjorie Green saying basically, how many feds or fed assets are in place to turn the protests against polit the political arrest of President Trump into violence, yeah. which is such fucking like, yeah. I wish I were oppressed. Like projection yeah. of like really you know no no because the CIA the FBI infiltrates groups called the Raging Grannies who are anti-war singers that's yes. who the FBI spends their time infiltrating them yes. and Black Lives Matter groups not fucking white supremacists like yourself. Um, yeah. Well, listen, I think that one, it's all orchestrated and coordinated. I I I do believe that they coordinate these things in not in a sense of like a conspiracy, but they see what's happening and they go, okay, good opportunity for us to make it look like we're prudent. Good opportunity for it to make it to to, sure. to make it look as if we're not rabble. The same way that what happened on January sixth was hyper organized, purposeful, well financed, yes. and the people who were doing it had money. I love the the fiction that uh, that both, by the way, blue dog, uh, you know, Bideny Democrats, and also uh, hard lefties and righties. Everyone sort of does this portrayal of like the poor, bedraggled white man, <laughs> no. fucking protester. No, these are people who could afford during a pandemic to fly to D.C., stay in a hotel for multiple days. Okay, and wear flak jackets that cost hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. Yes, and fake weapons and real weapons and. It's all, this is, again, always, always what's happening here is the dalliance of the credit card class and people have money. This is all it is in every single and, area, oh, oh, Anthony, including the far left. And PPP loans. Yeah. You guys remember, you yeah. remember that? Remember like yes. how a few of the, like, like um, the three percenters really need like a bailout right now because yeah. like our militias had to kind of like backpedal <laughs> during the pandemic, which we don't believe is real. But if you could just like help us out on our race war, God, dude, we really yeah. need that loan. And, and the government was like, them. here you go. Yeah. Um, best fucking... policy, by the way, the best policy employed since Bush sent those checks to people in 2002 or whatever, whenever he sent those checks. But the, the one truth that is always universal is that when you give American citizens money, they love it. Sure. There is never a time when people don't love getting a check or free money they don't have to pay back. The, the, the crazy part is 
that we at least at a minimum used to be critical as people were very critical of Bush when they sent those $400 checks. I remember that. And I was too. I was like, this guy is buying people off, blah, blah, blah. But at least everyone got a check for $400. Yeah. Right. Can we okay. let's just yeah. pivot to um, DeSantis, yeah. right? Because he oh, had a God. response. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. There was a, a little bit of back and forth between Trump and DeSantis this week after Trump, you know, preemptively announced he'd be arrested. Yeah. So here's DeSantis being asked what he thinks about it. And notice the defense of Donald Trump, but then the immediate shade. From the Florida Standard, uh, we wanted to know what your thoughts are on the rumored Trump indictment and if you have any role in it. Um, if charges are brought on him, will you have any role in extradition to New York? Thank so you. I've seen rumors swirl. I have not seen any facts uh, yet, and so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know this. The, the Manhattan District Attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. Oh, okay. So Soros, 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 no, crime ju, ju, in New ju. York. Which yeah. Ju, ju, ju. Um, ju, 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 blacks, black, 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 black yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all that really is. Exactly. Which is amazing, Anthony, because as in the same breath that he's kind of throwing shade and a lot of people on the right have been like, you know, okay, we're not going to go out and protest. We're not, we're going to, you know, necessarily wig you here. They're regurgitating the exact same line that Trump put out, which is it's a Soros DA and yeah, the course. crime and the third world America bullshit. Yeah. So anyway, but, but what That's you, universal. Anti-Semitism yeah. is universal across, again, all spectrums. I only could say this is just for anyone listening and watching. Really check all your sources, no matter whether you agree with it or not, because the whole like it's the Jews fault or blacks are doing this is like now pervasive, no matter where you are, no matter what end of the political spectrum you are, there's somebody there delivering some bullshit. Not true. And, and well, so, the best anyway, know. there's, but so can... anyway, meatball Ron, his big thing. What do you think? Better, I think he better watch his mouth because uh, he liked to hang out with the teens when he was teaching. And I'm sure someone's got some dirt sitting there ready to dump it when they're ready. Well, but he... again, no threat. Meatball Ron is going to roll back onto the pasta plate. Wow. First of all, anti-Italian discrimination I'm Italian. I'm Anthony, <laughs> we should not that. hate on one another, but no, <laughs> you, I agree with you. Everyone's divided on this, like whether or not, see, I have never been more sort of like, hmm, interested, intrigued by Ron DeSantis's ability to fight. Cause I feel like he's been really weak at this point. Yeah. Uh, until now we're seeing that clip. I'm like, okay, well, are you going to be like, oh, I don't know about this hush money to pay a porn star to be quiet about the affair. Yeah. But I, it's bitchy. It's My thing is bitchy. it's bitchy. It's bitchy. And you know, I, listen, that, that the demo 
of people who are going to make the decision in the primary of who they vote for in and we also don't even know there could be some other weird gop person that shows up some jackson hinkle or something but like god stop you know, naming all these ghouls they are they're all ghouls and they're all slowly gaining popularity over the years um but uh, i think whatever the the whoever ends up showing up there the thing is, is that there's still a big thing with like maleness and masculinity and the alpha male and all that. And, and the way he's being like, Trump can show, can throw bitchy shade like he's B Arthur and people think it's masculine. Right. Trump, DeSantis <laughs> tries it on and it does not fly the same way. And that's okay. my point is no one can, no one can do what Trump can do. Mm -hmm. And this is not an endorsement of Donald Trump, but for some reason he has that sort of almost um, rat packy Don Ricklesy sort of Carson era style of right. shade that still feels like it's in the bar room. Right. Whereas DeSantis feels like he's in the supermarket, you know, between the like inquirer and, you know, the people magazine saying something sassy as he's checking stuff out. <laughs> and if I were advising them, that was would be what I would lean into. And you see in Trump's response, he's leaning into that. Well, he you see it. Let's machines. let's look yeah, at it. Yeah. He says Rhonda Sanctimonious will probably find out about false accusations and fake stories sometime in the future as he gets older, wiser, and better known mm -hmm. when he's unfairly and illegally attacked by a woman, even classmates that are quote underage, which air quotes, uh, scare yeah. quotes, Anthony, for underage. Which Donald Trump should be watching himself with that, but but also or possibly a man. Or possibly a man. Like, or possibly a man. Uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, I think that that's the real story is probably much like all the other Republican, everybody. I mean, it seems like everybody, uh, but you know, especially these moralizers tend to have a DL life. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if Ron DeSantis had was on the DL in some fashion. That, by the way, does not mean their version of DL also like, like, like uh, a non-consensual DL. Like yeah. it's always like, oh no, he groped a male staffer. Right. He still has his job. Yeah, yeah, but they, but that's and that's what I'm saying is like I think that this is one of the problems is impugning people for their sexuality is not what we should be doing, but impugning people for the hypocrisy. And for their behavior in relationship to what they then publicly express is different. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, we got a lot to get to because I have to uh, we have to talk about um, 20 years since the invasion of Iraq. Uh, that's right. March 19th. Wow. 2003, I believe um, I was uh, just a just a wee bairn, whatever that means. Wow. <laughs> uh I, How old were you then? I was 19. Wow. Um, yeah, so you can obviously, I, I basically want my adulthood back. Uh, I was eight yeah. when 9-11 happened. I started my, as the chatbot Wikipedia bio will tell you, went to NYU. So a uh, week into school, 9-11 happened. And um, got incredibly active in the anti-war movement. And got to say, looking back 20 years, it mm -hmm. stings. And, it's, and, and uh, I'm not the victim. But I, I'm mad as fucking hell. And it's it actually feels, again, like, even though as terrible as Trump is, like, there is minimal amounts more breathing room and the authoritarian sort of totalitarian consensus, the imperial consensus to go to war, mm -hmm. that is no longer there in part because of a fucking massive failure 
uh, on the part of Republicans and in, and Democrats and the entire yeah. political establishment. But it's like it's if things are a little bit better and they're worse. Things are a little fashier and they're a little less. We have mm -hmm. more opportunity in, in inside the uh, inside Congress, I would say, um, with the squad and whatnot. And we also are like facing a, you know, homegrown terrorism, if you will, that we've never mm -hmm. faced before. And we're facing all the radicalized fucking vets who were never t cared for, who got all the machinery and the weapons and the military that all that shit's coming home to roost. Right. So we've got Ooh, yeah. mass shootings and whatnot. So. Yeah. Anyway, I the weapons, I, the weapons, I would say, is the big difference. I mean, you can really look at, at carbon copy into the 90s, right? The early 90s. You had disaffected Vietnam vets, right? You had uh, the failure of uh, Vietnam War, right? You you then had the botched, you know, hostage thing with Iran, which, you know, recently we just learned was com which everybody knew that was basically done by Casey to take down Carter Imagine what what our world would have been like if that piece of fucking shit who's burning in hell, Ronald Reagan and his wife, mm -hmm. both burning in hellfire as they deserve to be. I'm not even religious, but I will create in my mind a hell just for them. I mean, um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. 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 But I wanted to say is that now we have the same thing. But like you know, Ruby Tuesday Ridge, like we had Waco, we had Ruby Ridge. We had, but we had at, at the time we had a funded ATF. We had right. the, op, the the mechanics of the government weren't completely destroyed yet in the early 90s, right? The difference I would say now, you say the silver lining is that the the government's completely gutted. I mean, yeah. our our operational ability is completely gutted. All it will take is one really swift blow, and I think this whole thing falls apart. Partly, and and, and Steve I'll say Bannon's this. very excited. Well, but what's crazy is we're such a consumption class now. That I don't even know if we'd know if it fell apart. Right. We're all so distracted. We're by like, so is, many does other Amazon things. Prime still exist? Yeah. As I long think, as that's going. That's, I think, the. So I, the, listen, the war was the war and the war in Afghanistan. My view, because I went and protested both wars, 91 and 2003. Um, and uh, 2003 was sad because it was less people than 91. Believe it or not, people always talk about how the anti-war movement 2002, 2000, it was nothing compared to what happened when when we invade, when we went on the lie the, about the turning global. over those uh, uh, incubators in oh, Kuwait, God. which was a bunch of bullshit. Just horseshit. The whole, well, and of course, all of this was setting the stage for that invasion. I mean, for me, it marked like, yeah. you know, a complete, and because we're running out of time, I'm Sorry, gonna talk yeah, about this. Yeah. No, 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 it's totally fine. I want to talk about it in at length on the bonus bish on Friday. But you know, speaking of burning in hell, mm. Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Uh, I God, I hope those flames I heard uh, are eating him alive every single day. Paul yeah. Wolfowitz, Dick Cheney, who will not die, John Ashcroft. Yeah, ghouls, all of Go them. Condoleezza Rice. Condoleezza Rice, who still somehow, I mean, these slowly these ghouls are making their way, like, is it our time yet? You know, their yeah. flesh half eaten away. Um, you know, and and ultimately, and this is something I wanted to, you know, just take stock of. We wasted $2 trillion in that country to try and rebuild the nation. No, no, topple Saddam. No, no, get the weapons of mass. No, 9-11 yeah. retribution. We, I don't pick one, motherfucker. And we didn't do any of it. Well, we didn't even do it. Like, if we're going to do it, I will say with Colin Powell, you know, I, the one thing I agree with what he said was if you break it, you bought it, right? 
Right. Which is the one thing is if you're going to go in and be an imperialist, and this is where I think the Democrats fucked up, is that we went in, once we went in, that was it. We owed the Iraqi people and we owed the Afghans. We owed them to at a minimum, yeah, at least create a country, do what we did in the Philippines. And we didn't do it because we somehow still did it on the cheap, even though we wasted all that money and all those lives. And by the way, all those lives and then all that money. Exactly. And, but the, the know, reason is yeah. that the reason is that there wasn't that was never the point. Right. Well, the point was wasn't. always to enrich weapons contractors, to enrich Halliburton, to right. enrich oil companies. And we now know that. I mean, there's a, a, a new article from uh, Insider um, from a former CIA um, who basically says this is uh, her name's Alice. I don't know her last name. But anyway, she, uh, this is from Insider saying Bush wasn't looking to justify the invasion. He wasn't. He was looking for something different. Selling points. The decision to invade had already been made. There was right. not any intelligence that was going to change their opinion. So yeah. this was not an effort to justify the war. It was an effort to sell the war publicly. Right. That is an important distinction. The Bush administration was very explicit about their Iraq obsession almost immediately yeah. when they took power. Everyone with half a brain knew this. Anyone with that, they rescripted this whole thing. And you have pundits, by the way, we talk about Condoleezza Rice. How about all the ghouls that are on every major news network Still there. who reinforced this lie? Because anyone who was aware, okay, and I'll say, you know, Chris Matthews with all his problems and all this, before he even got on board, there was a period prior where he was trying to co opt Donahue's thing mm. because he pushed Donahue off the air. And I talked to Phil Donahue about this, that they MSNBC pulled Donahue off the air because he was doing real anti-war, not the faux anti-war talking points that, that Matthews wanted to do. And then eventually turn everyone into agreeing with this invasion. Anybody knew that essentially it was like when you're in a cab and you realize that the cabbie is either going to the wrong place or going a weird way to your house and they're about to charge you like $50, $60 yes. for a ride that should cost 10 bucks. Yes. That's how it felt. You were sitting <laughs> in the back of that cab going, where are you going? Why are you getting on this highway? What are you doing? Every they always American get on the highway. Brain, any American with half a brain knew. And the rest of them were just proto blood tea party fucking trump loony toony whatever proud boy shit we at now have i mean look this is this is i sp spoke about this with john idarola on the damage report everyone should go anyway check that out about the lessons from the iraq war but you know um just the idea that when you can use an attack as a pretext mm -hmm. you can do anything and this yeah. will happen again, and it oh, and it has happened. It has launched most of our major wars, yeah, and it will happen again. And, yeah, absolutely. And so, I just wanted to really briefly before we move on, just name yeah. that there have been like low end, two hundred thousand Iraqis dead, uh, millions displaced, obviously, and injured. Eighty five hundred American soldiers killed, three hundred thousand with PTSD. Vice did a really nice sort of like looking at 20 year olds who live in Iraq and one of them, yeah. and this, you know, not to bring it down too hard uh, here, uh, but Benin Karim was born prematurely on the 2nd of February, 2003 in N Najaf, central Iraq mm -hmm. with a club foot. When she was two months old, the impact of a missile attack near her family threw her from the cradle and dislocated her hip and back and leaving her permanently mm -hmm. immobile. Mm -hmm. she, she's there. She, there's a photo of her. She's in a wheelchair. You know, she says she talks about like kid stuff, right? Like I was made fun mm. of as a kid growing up. But like these are the kinds of 
this is 20 years on. These are the people who've been impacted, who've survived, right? right. Um, more broadly, uh, 1.5 million people in Iraq live with disabilities, one of the largest disabled populations in the world. Sure. Part of the massive toll that decades of conflict have taken. However, the government support is limited to a monthly salary and only basic medical care. Yeah, same girl. Uh, that's better, um, by the, but better than the United States, exactly. by the way. That's what's crazy. Better than the United States. Well, that's, How about that's the that? thing about like our hubris of nation building, which again was never actually the point. But right. like, like there's you know hospitals that sit empty in Afghanistan. This is my favorite about Afghanistan. One of the stories about waste, and the whole thing is fucked, Anthony. You know why? Because they didn't have the electrical system correct Just, yeah. for like the Middle East, for for Central Asia, like for Afghanistan. It's like they had the wrong. They plugs. didn't have the right converter. Plug. <laughs> yeah. Converter yeah. because nobody cared because it wasn't about that. Yeah. Um, it was about getting rich. And so, you know, the Times, you know, for all the bullshit that they did, has a couple of good stories out today, um, talking about, you know, the bleak economic future for people who are in Iraq. Um, electricity is still bad. Um, there's not enough money to make ends meet. Um, um, and also the cor government corruption is rooted in a system of sectarian ethnic distribution of power that. The United States pressed Iraq to put into place after Mr. Hussein fell. Transparency in international ranks Iraq 157th among the well, every mistake, countries. Every mistake that could have been made was made. They listened to the wrong people. They had Chalabi in there. People forget oh, all the scam artists and all the scammers. You know, we talk about Trump. It's like this kind of scamming shit has been going on. And this is the, the sad truth of it is we want to believe there's a design. Like we mm -hmm. want to believe there's totally. a design. There's no design. This is just egotistical people who are up their own ass. Some of them who do have decent intelligence, but their intelligence is limited not to emotional intelligence, but to digestion of information. And we have all these people with no emotional intelligence, no, no capacity, uninspiring people without leadership skills who made these decisions in the worst possible ways to basically make a buck, mm -hmm. to make a buck and to, and all of this has to do with natural gas. It's still, listen, I'm Ukrainian of descent. So like, do I, I, I don't care whether I sound like an imperialist simp or whatever Caitlin Johnson called me. I, Putin is still worse and Russia is still worse than we are. They still are. They might not be that far off, but they're still worse. And what they did in Ukraine is unforgivable. I don't care what we did in 24. I don't give a shit. What they did is unfucking forgivable, but it's still a war for gas. It's still a war for natural gas. That's still all that's going on. It went on in Iraq with oil. It went on with natural gas in Afghanistan. And now it's natural gas pipelines through Europe. It is still the oldest story in the, in the yeah. book, which yeah. is imperialism. Money Money, imperialism, and nothing to do with people. Absolutely. And treating people like shit. And, it, and it's a tale as old as colonialism, right? You know, I think during yeah. the Bush years, and again, we'll talk about this more on Friday. I really have a lot of thoughts on it as someone who's, you know, uh, my, my arrest record is thanks to the Iraq war and trying to stop it. But, you know, it's like, we always debated, like, does, does Bush really believe like he's a sent from God? Do they really believe in nation building? Do no. we really care about the people? You know, and it's no. like, no, this is the same thing with colonialism, man. It was like, OK, so we're going to send in some missionaries. But really, we want free labor and natural yeah. resources. And we don't yeah, care who it. dies and how much genocide has to happen. Well, I wonder how much longer we'll keep believing in religious bullshit. I wonder how much longer we'll continue as human beings to continue believing bullshit yes. about when we die or wh whether what we do is moral by some invisible person's judgment. 
I, you know, I don't know. And I don't think the, the, I don't think it's a good outcome. Okay. We need to end. Um, sadly, but, <laughs> but this that. is a good, but it's, it's a good convo <laughs> and it's an, and it's an important okay. one. But however, we have a guest who's been waiting so patiently in the wings, staff writer at Grist writes about climate impacts and adaptation and his book that everyone should read the great displacement climate change and the next American migration is out now. Please welcome Jake Biddle. Hey, how you doing? Good, Jake. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I mean, thank you for waiting there. And uh, that's okay. Appreciate you. Um, you, in your book, did something so wonderful, which is actually talking about real people and who are impacted by climate change. Um, and specifically what you call, of course, this great displacement. Talk about your approach. Like, who did you speak to? Which of the many fires and floods and fucking hurricanes were they suffering from? And had they been in multiple? Like, anyway, keep, yeah, who, who did you speak with? Yeah, so what I wanted to do was I started working on the book in 2020. And what I wanted to do was look at the sort of longer term recovery from a few big disasters that had happened a few years earlier. So instead of picking the ones that were, you know, in the news at the time, basically what I did was I looked at a few hurricanes that had struck in 2017 a really large complex of wildfires that had hit California, Northern California, that is, in 2017 and 2018. Uh, and then a few longer term events like sea level rise and drought that had started to get bad around the same time. What I really, you know, what I started with in each place was really the people who had lost their homes in each disaster, used the white pages or in some cases records from FEMA to figure out who had sold their home or who had left uh, after disasters. And then I basically just called them uh, and asked them to tell me what had happened to them. And I kind of worked out from there to try to create like a portrait of what each community had been like, you know, before the disaster, what its history was, and then what kind of happened in the sort of chaotic first months and years that followed a disaster, right? So people move, they come back, they decide whether they want to leave or not, they get screwed by their insurance companies. I was really trying to show how like the financial and economic turmoil that follows those disasters and yeah. the difficulties that the government has in helping can push people away, you know, to places that they never thought they would end up. Yeah. So what, like, we know we're fucking up on like real climate action um, as we expand drilling in the Arctic and, and whatnot, um, even though it's the most any president has done in history. So I guess we should be thankful for the, you know, crumbs that were given by the Biden administration. But how is the government doing on these levels? Like who, who did you like, how, how did FEMA show up or not? How did, yeah. they, like, what was the response and what is the continued follow-up? Yeah. I think like a few days after I started working on the book, I was talking to a woman from New Orleans and who had fled after Katrina. And she said, you know what FEMA stands for, right? And I said, yeah, federal emergency management agency. She said, no, no, no. It stands for fix everything my ass. <laughs> well, oh, really? I thought it said for federal emergency. Uh, no, um, they're, they do a very, very bad job of this. They don't have anywhere near enough money, first of all, but also they have a pretty outdated approach to what like recovery means, right? Mm -hmm. So they basically show up, they hand out money to the people who are eligible, but in many cases you have to like upload a PDF of your, you know, home deed while you're, uh, living out of your car, you know, your house is flooded. It's very, very difficult uh, to get pay paid in the first weeks after a disaster. And really, there's not much focus on building back safer uh, in the long term, right? So they more or less just put things back where they were to the extent that they could. Um, 
And the Biden administration has spent, you know, the most amount of money that any administration has, although that's kind of like saying it's like the most pleasant root canal yep. that anyone's ever been given yep. uh, on this sort of long-term disaster recovery, you know, changing the way that we build to make things more resilient to, to floods and wildfires. So that's in the single digit billions so far. It's not very much money, but there is signs that FEMA is now authorized to spend tiny portions of this, whereas in previous decades, they could spend none. So you can kind of, I mean, your mileage may vary on that, but overall, it's a, usually it's a it's a catastrophe, you know, after a natural disaster in this country, it just almost nothing works and people are quite opportunistic and, you know, it, it really lengthens the recovery time yeah. for a place that gets hit by a disaster like this because there's just not enough money coming in. Yeah. And what happens to those, like a few questions about like folks who are displaced, do they see themselves as climate refugees or are they like, yeah, my grandfather was displaced by a hurricane you know or is and i one small thing that i know is that a lot of folks who fled hurricane katrina's disaster you know um you know destruction wound up in texas only to be further displaced by massive flooding and um and hurricanes there yeah it also happened i also spoke to someone who was displaced by that flooding in hurricane harvey and then ended up in california and got displaced by a wildfire a few years later and they were living in a trailer park. We're talking three times then. Oh, no, they were not displaced by Katrina, but I'm sure I'm sure it's happened. Right. Like, I just never found them. But, I mean, I think no, people don't really see themselves as climate refugees. A lot of them don't believe in the science of climate change, first of all. They can often point to other, you know, really proximate reasons why their home was really vulnerable, such as, like, it was built within 40 feet of a river. Right. Um, and there are, you know, they just, it's just not at the front of their mind, but they also don't really see themselves as refugees or migrants, right? A lot of them have deep attachments to the places that they're from. Of course. And in fact, being displaced by disaster often makes you more attached to the place that you're from. And so they think about their departure as temporary or as involuntary. And yeah. they mostly think of themselves as, you know, um, people who have been involuntarily pushed out of a certain place, but they still belong to that place. Right. right. So they, I, most people wouldn't call themselves climate migrants or climate refugees, even though that's in fact what they are. Who gets to rebuild? Like who can stay? Is it people who had the best insurance plan? Is it people who are just like buddies with real estate? Like what, what happens to those yeah. places? Mm -hmm. Insurance is definitely the big dividing line in who gets to rebuild right so some people can't afford it or they can't afford enough of it or they can't get it because their homes are too risky and the insurance company said we don't want you on our on our rolls um and the people who do have enough they generally can rebuild where they are and the people who don't generally can't and that the other sort of segment is people who rent you know tenants who basically can't they have no equity in their home so they don't really have the ability of course to finance a rebuild uh if they're even allowed back into their apartment to begin with and I think the other thing, though, is that the uh, the sum total of all the money that we have spent on flood walls or on elevating houses, that money has tended to go, for the most part, to wealthier and whiter communities. So the other answer is you rebuild, your your whole community rebuilds if you can find, you know, the clout or the political influence or just the, you know, time to apply for these federal grants that give you the money to do this kind of work, right? So. It's people at the individual level who have more money through insurance who can afford it, and then people who live in communities that have more money and more mm -hmm. as well.
I guess I wanted you talk about managed retreat as a way to preempt climate disaster. What is managed retreat? Yeah, so managed retreat is the term that academics use for the government making a coordinated attempt to move people away from a really vulnerable area, right? So the government gives you money to leave your house um, and then go somewhere else, and then they knock down the house. And this is probably, you know, certainly the most cost effective, but also, you know, the most permanent tool we have for adapting to climate change, right? If you destroy a house, it can't flood again because it's right. not there. But the problem is it often comes with a lot of pain for people who have to leave these places, right? And they, even when they get money, oftentimes it's not enough and they don't feel that the government has given them a fair deal. And sometimes, you know, you have these sort of historic or really precious communities that get bought out by the government, they're no longer there and, and people end up just going their separate ways. So there's a lot of difficulties there. Has, yeah, has, have we implemented that? Has that happened? And yeah, we've tried. Um, we've done it a few times. Uh, it's happened a lot in Houston and North Carolina, these sort of small subdivisions that were built very badly get bought out. And then I think probably the most famous example is this island community called Jean Charles in Louisiana. Yeah, It's the first example of a community that's built that was relocated in its entirety, quote unquote, because a lot of people left voluntarily. A lot of people are refusing to leave. It's again, kind of a mess and it hasn't worked out very well. And they got moved inland, right? Cause that's safer, but uh, they're mostly subsistence fishermen. So now they don't have the ability to fish for shrimp anymore. It also so happens that their new community is right next to a Chevron uh, equipment facility, <laughs> which is really unfortunate uh, outcome for them. So yeah, I mean, this is a, you know, in theory, really good policy because it keeps people safe. But in practice, it's turned out to be really ugly and it's very, very difficult to mm -hmm. execute. I mean, I, I just, as someone who's been like super anecdotally to a couple of places in this, like along the Gulf Coast and then just on a whim to Florida, like to the little panhandle area, um, we in this country live in such like dystopian climate um, denial like every day and you know you're talking about moving people next to a chevron i mean the whole gulf gulf coast is just you know retreating like rece receding land and then building the highway a little bit higher so that the oil rigs can pass and like and the trucks can get the oil from i mean and it just and you're like well, we are in the upside down here and then in florida i remember just watching people this was or this is 2005 man watching people like sorry the year the spring before katrina watching people rebuild in florida on the sand like just like there's the water you know and again this is not on them i'm not blaming them but it is again this sort of bizarre like groundhog's day of complete lack of preparedness if you have the insurance hey hunky dory congratulations and if you don't you're fucked but there's no grand like um coordinated resilience and plan either to stop climate change or to help people when it they inevitably get hit with the effects of it yeah i think it's important to emphasize that basically everybody has an incentive to keep things the way that they are uh, i mean lo local governments they like when their tax base expands right the developers they can as soon as the homes sold you know they're basically fine the federal government does pay a decent amount of money to a lot of these communities to help them rebuild sometimes four five six seven times Jesus, and then as yeah. long as you can find someone to buy your beachfront home in florida which is not that difficult you're not really at risk either unless you happen to get hit in a flood but if you've lived there for 10 years and said okay i'm good you can sell your home probably for a profit and that's going to continue for a decent amount of time for as long as the sort of 
the system keeps moving. And every time there's a flood, property values fall, people flee. But then a lot of times the, they go right back up mm. because our memories are pretty short. And that's why I think that the government has to take a, a much more active role in, in, as you said, planning for this kind of thing. And that's just not something that we've ever done. Totally, Can I ask, yeah. a, I just wanted to ask a question about, um, it, you sort of touch on it just now, which is that, do you think that, that the, the pronounced sort of nature, like if we look at the, the, the bird's eye view, you can see clearly climate change, weather patterns are changing, right? There's more hurricanes, more sort of events, right? That we see happen every yeah. year, but on the ground and the small scale, is it just that ultimately these are still individual stories for people and that has not reached the threshold yet where individuals are able to process that there is some um, new uh, sort of long-term changes that are going to have to be made yeah, from talking to question. so many people? That's a good question. I think for some people it, it has it has started to sink in. I think in particular people who've, who live in places that are subject to, to chronic inundation from sea level rise you know where they've lived there for 50 years and they just know that the water wasn't there mm -hmm. it's not going back down the reality does sort of start to come home or people in california you know who lived their whole life without seeing a wildfire suddenly everything went up i mean that really does change your perspective but for a lot of people yeah they they see the disaster something that they experienced they got through they're on the other side of it now and, right. and it was you know tough but they did it and it's not really part of it. And a lot of times they don't even really think, oh, the government should have helped me more. You mm -hmm. know, it's just not, it just hasn't really penetrated, I think, for a lot of people as like this systemic. It's also problem. super traumatic, you know? So it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. I've just taken on getting my life back in order. Oh, am I going to take on like the fucking yeah. entire, yeah. Right, right. This whole yeah. bullshit? No. Have you looked into Europe? And, you know, I was just looking at the fact that Pakistan still has six months out, 10 million people without clean water because of the flooding there. And the fact that the land bridges that occur, that exist, allowing people who are escaping uh, uh, climate uh, change events that are disasters. I, I'm just curious if you spoke to any of sort of European stories or what do you think is the difference between the United States and how it's dealing even with southern border migration as a result of climate change versus Europe's influx of, of, of people who are going to be coming, you know, north as, 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 uh, as these problems persist. Yeah, so I didn't speak to very many people in Europe because I was trying to kind of make the point that I think a lot of people don't quite understand the extent to which the problem is like already arrived in the U.S. for yeah. domestic sure. displacement. But I mean, certainly like both the U.S. and continental Europe are going to face an immense amount of of migration pressure, probably not on the order of these gigantic numbers that, you know, sometimes the defense establishment will bandy about like 500 million displaced. And it's probably going to look like a, a more intense version of what we've already seen. Right. And I don't think it's actually so hard to conceive of like the 2015 era migrant crisis in, in Europe was like, I think, a very, very, very instructive uh, sort of foreshadowing event for what will happen uh, in that continent and probably here as well, right? And like in, in 1998, I believe, like a, there was a big hurricane, Mitch, that hit El Salvador and a bunch of El Salvadorian people came to the United States. There was a big influx of migrants there. Many of them were very poorly received, right? Even though they were fleeing, you know, extreme devastation. Yeah, I mean, the, the like past history on this in recent decades does not look good. And it's really hard to see how it gets better because I think for most of the people in power, the fact that this displacement is going to roil the world 
is and people would start to come to the wealthiest countries is like a very very bad thing and something mm-hmm. that would need to be avoided at all costs right and getting them to reframe that is it's challenging and well, probably we, just requires new people yeah it, re- it requires a certain amount of selflessness and ability to see the long-term strategy and not short-term fundraising and election cycles and all this but you're like yeah if we could only use the xenophobia of the right to our advantage to be like hey let's stop climate change so people don't have to come across the southern border does that work no probably won't work it'll probably just fund ice even more brutalize migrants even more but i love that you focus on you know people already living in the u.s um and of course i think everyone wants to know and this is the bullshit the shit that annoys me but also shit that's very real and i think privately we're all kind of asking which is where do i move where should i go (laughs) where is the safest is it the pacific northwest because it seems like it unless that like one time in 500 year earthquake hits and then it'll be there's a tidal wave i've read about this yeah i mean i don't know i think that there's there's risk and and there's risk you know i mean i don't think there's any place in the u.s or really the world for that matter that could be said to be completely resilient to all forms of disaster um and if it was and it's just pretty cold i mean a lot of people will say (laughs) buffalo right like that's the number one place if you look at like sort of like maps of where it's buffalo and they had just a dreadful dreadful fatal snowstorm earlier this year yes they did i was gonna say lake effect snow I don't know about Buffalo. I mean, I think that, you know, generally, if you look on a hundred year timeline, right, and you you don't have, you know, a serious improvement in warming trajectory, then the upper Midwest looks like it's safe from the worst things that we've seen so far, right? They have a lot of fresh water. They don't get hit by hurricanes, certainly by wildfires for the most part. Um, You know, it can always rain. It can rain everywhere. But it's, you know, that looks like the best place because like Cincinnati, where there's a bunch of spare housing the city was built to house twice the number of people that it currently does those are the places that look on paper mm-hmm. like the best places to move but you know when a bunch of people show up trying to flee some other place oftentimes the people who already live there then they get screwed right i mean oh yeah oh it's it's i mean in, no I, yeah. I say this i mean it's a dumb yeah no question. it's a, it's a question, facetious though. question no, it's obviously. a good question but 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 i mean the the answer really is we can't just fucking fend for ourselves otherwise we will all die we Mm. can still demand mass action of course and we didn't even mention this like the ipcc is out with yet another report saying we're even more fucked um catastrophic warming um will basically get us all like we're about to pass this dangerous threshold i remember a few years ago we had 12 years left i don't know how many years is it Jake, do we have like seven years left here to stop, uh, um, keep it in the ground? I probably say close to seven, but, or six or seven, but I think it's sort of like, I think they stopped saying that because they started to realize that people were thinking that if we pass it, then we should just give up. And I think they sort of said, we're not going to do a time, we're not going to do a deadline anymore. I think, yeah, if you don't see some serious improvement in carbon intensity of the power grid by the end of the decade, then you're really going to start having to worry. Uh, I mean, you should already be worried. Yeah. You should start worrying a lot more. (laughs) But there also Um, is no money in retrofitting. I mean, we're talking about resilience, right? We're talking about preparedness. We're talking about we know the shit is upon us already. Yes, we have to stop it on on all these other levels. But, like, where's the moneyed incentive to, yeah, remake Texas's power grid? You know, there is none. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's the, the lucky thing is, I guess the silver lining is this stuff is, is pretty much, it's pretty popular across bipartisan lines. Like almost everybody says, yes, the government should pay to build a levy in front of my town. No one's right. like, oh, I'm just worried about the deficit. Like that concern doesn't come into play for people who live in, in these places. The problem is, you know, it really does. The only entity that has the money to do it is the U.S. Congress, right? There just isn't another, you, a state can't do it. A city council can't do it. So it's all on the, the shoulders of the government to do. Because like you say, private entities don't really have uh, much skin in the game there. Um unless they're like issuing bonds or something. Right. But yeah, so it's, it's on the feds and they have to do it and they can do People probably want them to do it, but it's a matter of like fixing that inertia problem, I think. I mean, until Anderson Cooper's home is um, accessible via gondola in the middle of Manhattan or wherever he lives. Um, <laughs> and we go there and hold him hostage. No, but... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the yeah. only thing I'm looking forward to is just, yes, Manhattan, but like gondolas throughout More gondolas it. Gondolas in general. Very yeah. This is yeah, the certainly. AI, this is the, the uh, uh, AI movie depiction of, of, of uh, yeah. Manhattan. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then sort of Greta Thunberg's voice blaring in like some hologram, like, I warned you. Fuck yeah. you. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't we, Blade Runner. Isn't it? Would it require really a, a massive re, just completely re, a, a total realignment of how we do things to actually address what's going on? Like we'd need a Roman style dictator. Like we would need a person, and I don't mean dictator like a Hitler dictator. I mean like in the classical sense, a person who's given complete carte Someone who can move fast. To move fast. shit and no mm -hmm. Congress. I mean, isn't the truth that even that, even with the United States doing this, that you would need to figure out some common agreement around the globe to un to undo what's what's going well, on. Well, the ch the climate you bone know? is connected to the China bone, which we are. Uh, it's us completely China. fucking it up. Uh, yeah. You know, it would just look. Why don't we send Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan one more again? You know, yeah. just to see what that does uh, to the appetite to bring China to the table. <laughs> anyway, Jake, on the international front, last any last thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really hard to imagine a, a global solution to the problem of fossil fuels with or sorry, it's, it's impossible to imagine a non global solution to the problem of fossil fuels, because wealthy countries can always export the production of them elsewhere if they want to stop. Right. That's what right. Europe has essentially done. And I mean, yeah, the US right now in conversations at the UN conferences is like the single biggest obstacle to any meaningful progress on the question of like what are essentially reparations to countries that have um experienced the worst of this right so those countries have almost everyone supports it except for the united states wow. and they've finally started to back off of that the tiniest degree like one yard but i mean yeah unless you can unless the biggest countries the us china india can in the year and europe can go to those conferences and say we want to take the lead we want to give money we're ready to give it up. Yeah. Our companies are going to have to come to heal. Then you're not going to, you're not going to reach a, a final, you know, resolution to that, that problem, in my opinion. Jake wow, Biddle. What a, what a bummer, Jake. A very happy ending, but. Um, Jake, bummer Biddle. No, I'm just kidding. But it's possible. It's definitely possible. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. 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 But another yeah, yeah. world sure, is. No, sure, no. I, I fully believe that. But I think we need a little bit of column A, column B, you know, a little bit of like rise yeah. up everybody and a little bit yeah. of like, uh, hey, let's work right. with what we got and now. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's not done. Like it's really not done. And that's like the number one 
thing that I don't know in every casual conversation about this like it's definitely not over no No, in other words you're saying it's not over like we're all not on like a a path to like death and destruction no there's all these exits yeah of course yeah it's still it's totally it's a live ball for sure yes and and i yeah how do you how do you energy (laughs) well that's the thing about like inventing like trying to find the silver bullet it's like that's all bullshit like we it's right in front of us you know, it's it's also and it has in it, like Anthony said, it has everything to do with reining in, um, you know, unfettered global capitalism where corporations can treat the earth like, you know, a fucking toilet. Uh, and so, you know, we've we've known this ever since or before, you know, Naomi Klein uh, wrote about it. So but. Shit, I was going to say something and I forgot what I was going to say, but the great displacement, climate change and the next American migration. Guys, read this because it's intimate stories of seven people and and their experiences and also understanding these places that we only hear about in the news, but understanding them more intimately, which I think is uh, wonderful. And also uh, Jake is an excellent writer. So get this book. Uh, Thank you, Jake. Thanks for waiting and thank you for being here. Please join us again. I will. All right. Nice to meet care, you, Jake. Take care, Jake. And yeah, Anthony, don't embarrass me. Okay. <laughs> what what wow. did I do? Wow. What did I do? We have I hope. Said nice to meet you, In this Jake. home. No, I'm kidding. In this house, oh, we believe we can stop hope? climate change. Yeah. Yeah. Zero point energy. That's okay. it. Just have to figure out how to get the energy milked from the tension between electrons, protons, and neutrons. It's that easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do listen. I was just asking him. I, I, I think there's hope. Also, like I'm 48. Whatever, man. I'm on the off ramp. I don't care anymore. See, that's the kind of attitude that's, <laughs> that we don't need. I recycle. Ramp. I eat less beef. This is good. I'm I'm doing Exxon Mobil's personal responsibility model that actually was designed to distract us from the fact that uh, they're the ones who are really causing the major problems. Somehow we got convinced that us putting our plastic bottles in a landfill uh, that we just separate it to go to the same landfill was somehow the solution. Insane. Oh, yeah. drives me fucking nuts. Um, all right. We have okay. one final segment, you guys. It is oh. March Madness. I don't know what that means and I don't okay. care, but I do know that it means brackets. There oh. are many brackets. Brackets mean okay. fight. Two people fight. We're doing March Madness culture wars. Pick your fighters. Okay. In this March Madness, if you're listening oh. as a podcast, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players here. Eight contestants, eight teams. We okay. got. Um. The overweight Eminem. We've got <laughs> wow. We've got a Eminem in combat boots. So the most unfuckable Eminem. I mean, guys, okay. so, they love that they put the overweight Eminem. <laughs> so everyone just imagine an Eminem. You guys already know how Eminems are hot, right? You guys already know that when you like get a bag yeah. of Eminems, you're like, I don't know whether to eat you or fuck you. That's yes. clear. Yes. Um, now do that, but then imagine Eminem in combat boots, and suddenly you don't yeah. even want to eat it anymore. Right. Okay. So Eminem versus Critical Race Theory. We okay. have Disney, just general woke Disney versus um, gas stove versus or electric stove. Electric stoves. That's the obviously. one thing that does get me upset. Everyone got mad at me about that. I was like, <laughs> no fucking way. No <laughs> one's taking. I don't kid. Kids get fucking asthma. 
I, I don't give a, and first it was a fake story. It was all like invented, right, but like right. anyone who cooks knows that there's no fucking way in the world that cooking with electric is like good. I grew or useful. up, I grew up with electric stove. It worked okay. But now that I have a kid, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't want, it's like, uh, no, but, uh, but Anthony, it's like 40% more. My husband's the same way. He's like, we're not getting rid of this stuff. I'm like, it's a 40% increased chance that you'll get childhood who asthma. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. I don't give a shit. Here's the point. Do I want my food to taste good or do I want to cook on an electric? Listen, it's going to taste the same. It's, no, it's no, it's not. There are so many things you can't do with an electric and people go, oh, well, you should try the contact ones. Oh, you mean so I have to get their pans with the like weird fat bottoms on the pans? No, people have been cooking on fire for the longest of everything. They've been cooking on fire, and that's how it works. It is the one right wing thing I am totally down with. You want to know something Cook weird? With gas, not weird, but uh, I did a Nat Geo story about um, why why life expectancy was so low back in like caveman days, and mm. they believe that it is because they were cooking fire. their food on open flames inside but in small little huts yeah. yeah with like just like inhaling smoke constant. put the fan on every kitchen has an overhead fan you put the fan on <laughs> and then you cook that's what you're supposed to do and it sucks up all the gas it's fine I, all I, right, I grew up all right. Gas so, I'm so clearly fine. based on how triggered anthony is i think the electric stove has a chance to really win um yes. and then over here the last four teams we have rainbow fentanyl um, <laughs> I thought those were candy, like the competitors. That's to what the Halloween kids. That's what the trigger treaters uh, think too. Um, we have a an Xbox that has a, a energy saving feature, which will mm. that which the right has freaked out about because Why? it's part of the Green New Deal. Clearly, um, they want you to stop wasting so much energy. We have. I love my energy saving Xbox. There you go, a drag queen over here. Oh, and yeah. then 15 minute cities, which I guess was another thing they were upset about, which is the idea that you could access everything you need in 15 minutes and that we should all be living sort of in more. Um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It would be so great if we could get that 15. That's minute what buckets. Queens is like. Right, you live you in a, you live in Astoria. You're 15 minutes away from every possible thing you need. Except for everyone else in all of the tri-state area because Astoria is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Astoria? I'm so, sorry. Some parts of Astoria are so hard to get to. They're like, take a bus. I'm like, um, fuck you yourself. Talking about? Take a bus. Let me tell you something about Queens real quick. Queens, <laughs> one of the most diverse boroughs uh in New York. And we love it for Two, that reason. More languages spoken in this borough than anywhere else in the world. None of that has anything the, to do with accessibility, Anthony. It is the only place where the average uh black family wealth is higher than white family wealth. That's cool. Okay. And in addition, you could take a bus. I took a bus. Uh, I grew up in a very poor neighborhood outside of Boston. I took the 111 bus from Chelsea into Boston. I'm a bus kid. Okay. Take the bus. The bus is natural gas. Talk about better than gasoline. So we're it's fighting wars for your 111? Wow. Yeah, 911 <laughs> to 111, I'm taking the bus. All right? I love all of that. First off, I love every single thing there. I love CRT's great. I, oh, CRT, also, we I missed. Just, and CRT, sorry. Eminem's going up against CRT. So who wins Eminem versus CRT in this uh In, in terms of the, what the right is going to be the most mad about? I think... Or is think it, like, in other words, this, what are we voting for? Like how, just who I wins? Think, yeah, I think just like 
in a CRT vacuum. CRT beats the CRT beats the M&M. Really? And okay. Yeah, of yeah, course. Let's move because, CRT up. Yeah, we'll I mean, I think, up. and I think fentanyl beats the Xbox. I think you're right. Drag Queen beats the 15 Minute City for sure. Okay, and then who beats? Yeah. Is it Disney versus Ga Electric Stove? I feel like Electric Stove tough. might have won. That is so tough. I think Electric Stove wins because I'm animated about it, and I'm as left as they come. I think Electric Stove wins too. So you've got Electric Stove versus Critical Race Theory in the final right. four. CRT wins. That mm. oh, are we not doing that? No, now, we can't. No, no, we could. So like, wait, Critical Race Theory versus Electric Stove. Okay, yeah. Which I mean, CRT. This isn't. I mean, very few people will be actually exposed to real CRT, whereas everyone will be exposed to the Electric Stove. Yes, but nobody, but this is like the term, the word woke. It's like people sure. just invent their own version. I mean, woke just, you know, I guess woke means black sort of, or means any like to, to rate, you know, to people who are using it incorrectly. I think it's just sort of, sort of racist dog whistle. If you right? were in a, if you had, but yes, but if you had like to Bethany fight, S. Mandel. To, oh God, if you had to fight someone, Anthony, where would you yeah. rather be equipped with? A book about CRT or an electric stove? I'm going to say a book about CRT because I would fight. If I had to fight with somebody, yes. well, I'd, I mean, the stove, I'd set them on fire. <laughs> I would just very light something slowly, flame and very slowly. I would burn Bethany Mandel's book and then throw it at them. There we go. Not with an electric stove, but I'm going to say CRT moves forward. Okay. So yes. CRT's in the final. Okay. But okay. Rainbow Fent over here versus Drag Queens. Drag Queen. Drag Queens drag queen versus CRT because that's the platform of the GOP for this coming year <laughs> but okay now without the seat without republicans sort of pulling the strings here and their oh, okay. fear yeah i mean in a this is kind of a wonderful matchup like i would love to see critical race theory and Versus scholar like go like in a fun matchup against drag queens I think they would just merge there would be no victor i think it would just merge into sort of a hypercritical yeah racist drag queen <laughs> not no 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 but no racist no, just a, yeah. it's just i it like the idea of a, a hypercritical racist drag queen because nobody would know what to do with 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 her they go well uh, you're a drag queen but you're really critical of me and you're also a bigot i don't know what to do <laughs> page page the, the producer says would be like i embrace her yeah, Paige, the producer says that's just intersectional theory, baby. There this you is, go. This that's what happens. Intersectional theory. There you go. Um, I mean, I think that ultimately <laughs> they would be against. I mean, drag queens are into competition. Obviously, the drag race. Yeah. Um, CRT less so. Um, but yeah, I'm, I think the drag queen wins personally. I mean, you have to choose in terms of what's more scary. CRT, I think, probably wins in this bullshit right wing. But in general, who I think could like slay and destroy it's very difficult to be just equipped with like heady you know right. like academics talking about the legal theories behind you know race structural racism and which i i love all these authors who are being banned are you kidding me right. bell hooks like fuck i could be armed with bell hooks and i think but if we had like a bell hooker like a you know a drag yes. queen named bell hooker like that yes. would be my shit bell hooker would be incredible and also i think here's the thing i think that drag drag the drag stuff is so interesting to me because that fixation 
in some ways I think has to do, you know, a lot, you see so, so much of that fixation is also partnered with, I went and saw it. I went to the show. Totally. I went there and brought my children. We sat through the whole thing and I had brunch and we were disgusted, but we loved it. Like it weirdly, I think like, that's one of those ones where it's like, everyone's actually into it, but they can't admit it. So right. then they have to like make up a, a weird sort of story around. I hated <laughs> like, everything. CRT, like, to me, I just go, oh God, I'm out of school. I don't want to know. I know. <laughs> I don't want to read. It's I don't so much do. theory. Uh, I want to see a drag brunch. I don't want to read shit. <laughs> quite uh, frankly. Anthony Atamanik, yeah. you're wonderful. Thank you so much for being back on the show. Where can people find you, follow your work, oh. uh, maybe see you live? Well, you can. Um, is this live now? People are watching this? Yeah. Oh, well then, uh, uh, at uh, Caveat on Thursday night at 9.30 in Manhattan, you can see me um, in a show called We Fixed It. Hell yeah. Uh, which is, uh, let me just make sure that I have the uh, thing here. Yeah, We Fixed It, Thursday, March 23rd, 9.30 p.m. Uh, at uh, Caveat, Caveat New York. And Emmy Blotnick's on the show, nice. James Tyson, Rima Park, Park, uh, Emmy Blotnick, former head writer of the President Show, and then me stinking up the stage with uh, my half baked comedy. Uh, and you can also see Coffee with Tony live on twitch.tv slash coffee with Tony. It's not as put together or as professional as the Bituation Room by any stretch of the imagination. No. Uh, but I do it. my own graphics. There you go. I mean, same as you could tell, but, or page. And, and page season five of what we do in the shadows is coming out soon. I think maybe in the summer so or the good. fall. And I think we start filming six soon. I don't know when. So that's, that's exciting. That's, that's very exciting. I'm a big fan. Um, Tony, be very, very well. Thank you so much for being Thank on. Thank you, Francesca. Everybody follow Anthony. You know, you know, it's rare to have someone with such good politics and be so funny and so talented. That's Anthony Atamanik for you. Um, but thank all of you, you for being here on another episode. Uh, Enrique, uh, throw a shout out for us Latin crew. The Latin crew. Kiss a Latin crew. A ver. Uh, shout out to the Latin crew and los hispanohablantes. Um, yeah, we were going to talk about the new Netflix film Chupa, which is very funny because it just means suck and it's about a chupacabra and it's like the dumbest name ever. It's just like suck it, un chupa. So maybe next time, maybe on Friday for the bonus bish, we'll watch the trailer. Vitingale became a member on YouTube. Hell yeah, that's how you watch the show back on Fridays. You get that bonus bish. Thank you so much, Vitingale. Marcus Aurelius, I did drag in sixth grade in the 80s and no one said anything. It's true. Fuck yeah. No one was like, you've been groomed. Um, very cool. Uh, Domini Arma says, Lisa Vanderpump was at her city council trying to get her restaurant open peak pandemic. There you go. See, I knew there was a reason I don't watch. Uh, I always thought Vanderpump was like, that Heidi chick? Is that girl part of, I don't know. You know, I would live. I was living abroad for a while when like reality TV really set in and I just, I've never gotten into most of it, except for F-Boy Island. Um, Gary Cooper, there are no Soros funded prosecutors. Pro prosecutors are paid by the state government just as DeSantis is. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there is a strange, bizarre connection. Like he received an award at some point from an organization affiliated with Open Society Foundation, which is Soros, something like that, that they're now just like, it's Soros funded. But George Soros every morning has to be like, 
ah, back in the news again, you know, or, ah, thank God I'm not in the news. You know, like he, he's not in the news and he gets excited. Uh, everybody must watch Matt Lieb's uh, episode of News Broke where we talk about George Soros. It's so, so good. Maybe I'll put it, I'll put it in the comments because it was so fun. Uh, Todd Roy, hey says, think of all the things that money wasted on that war could have done for your country. Yes, because uh, Todd Roy is in Canada. Uh, Canada. Um, yeah, man, it could have done a lot, but we can't have nice things. Um, Costa Kyriakopoulos, I hope I said that somewhat right. I went to jail over processing that damn war illegal from the start. Same. And yes. Um, so I, I'll never get over it. Uh, Rachel Atwood, the blowback podcast did such a great job covering the Iraq war. Uh, yeah, uh, they're great. They're excellent. And um, I, you know, I'm excited to give sort of my take and what what I've learned and what's gone on and sort of the headspace I was in. But I think it was a it's it was a psychic break for a lot of us um, with any illusion that we lived in a democracy, any illusion that our country and our government um, did good around the world, any illusion about American greatness completely dissolved after that moment. Um, and we'll never get it back. We'll never be the same. And I think it, the same was for a lot of young folks protesting the Vietnam War. Um, and that war was even more heinous, uh, if and even more people in body bags. Uh, and again, Americans lost. Yay. Um, Terrence Trumbo on YouTube, I know a family whose house in paradise was turned to ash. Just insane. I mean, and we don't follow up. Like, you know, nobody does what Jake does and sort of asks how people are doing what 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 is this town like anymore what happens to this town um let's see uh thank you jody odell for being a new member hell yeah um our means said let him cook i think this is about anthony wanting to cook on a gas stove dank prol says we need a drag queen crt book to children pop and fentanyl soaked pet fentanyl soaked m&ms fried on an electric stove I love it. All the things. And then Willie Gus, rainbow fentanyl just killed everyone who saw it. Oh my God. Like you guys could smell it coming across the screen, right? It was really, really scary. And I want to thank the new patrons at $10 or more and all of the Twitch subs, which we don't have a lot of Twitch subs and some big tippers with the fart song. <laughs> But I just wanted to thank um, Michael Murray for becoming a patron at 10 bucks or more to get this shout out. Michael, you are a blessed, wonderful, sexy human being. Michael Shelby, two Michaels. Michael, screw that other Michael. You're the only Michael that matters. Thank you for becoming a patron at 10 bucks or more. Thank you to the big tippers, Sheila Leeming, you saint, you beautiful human. Sheila gave a huge tip, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on cash app you can tip too thank y'all so much and thank you adc 179 for cheering 101 bits all over here on twitch that was so 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 sweet of you and again for all the people who became uh subs subscribers to youtube uh thank y'all thanks to Paige omek maximilian inhoff to andy vasoyan y'all we stream every tuesday 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch also of course on all the podcast platforms Follow us on Twitter at Vituation Pod, TikTok, and Instagram at Franny Fio. And remember, fight the power, fuck the patriarchy, and don't just spitch about it. Be about it. Bye.